professionals. Definitely. And uh, we're partners. Co-workers. But we're also a couple guys with a mutual friend. Friends now, gone. So we're a couple guys. I can live with that. Perfect. Welcome back to Disney Marvels for week of April 25th, 2021. This is episode 132, Disney Marvels, the show about Disney, Marvel, Lucasfilm, Muppets, Pixar, 20th Century, the parks, and much, much more. If it has to do with Disney, it's fair game. I'm your host, Matthew Graken. Hey, this is our third anniversary show. We, I launched this show three years ago, around this time, because of how the calendar falls, it's not the exact time, but three years ago, I started this and was wondering, you know, would anybody ever download this? And I, I am overjoyed with the response of how many people download each week and over the lifetime of this show in three years, how many downloads we've had. And it's... <sighs> It, it 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 does me good. Um, it, I it makes my heart swell with joy and love and appreciation for all of you who come back every week, listen to the show, download, hopefully listen to the show, hopefully enjoy, get to escape, maybe learn something, just have a good time and just just enjoy stuff and just hearing different opinions, different views, different whatever. Just the the sheer Disney enjoyment. So thank you, thank you thank you from the bottom of my heart for the past three years and I'm, I'm not done yet and more things to come so speaking of more things to come again put that survey out on the uh on the twitter oh by the way just a hint you may want to stay tuned to the end of the show for one or two announcements um to commemorate this third anniversary so, but back to the survey I put out there asking, have you watched Stefania Bell's ESPN special on E60 called Project 11 yet? Answers of yes, no, and it's on my to-do list. Sadly, no one had it on their to-do list. 67% said no. 33% said yes. I cannot recommend, I, I mentioned this last week, again, I cannot recommend this show enough. If you like American football or not, put that aside. Because other than the man's profession, Alex Smith's profession, that is it. That is the extent of what it has to do with football. It is about someone who received a horrific injury and the human drive to overcome something that could have very easily made him lose his leg or lose his life. Um, it can be graphic at times. At those points, look away where I think there's even maybe censored versions out there. But please, please, it is worth is so worth watching. Um, it actually had brought me to tears by the end of it. And I, I stand up and applaud what Alex Smith went through and there's the reason why I brought Stefania on the show to talk about that because as soon as I w finished watching that I said Stefania I need to have you on the show 
So, if you haven't watched it yet, I do highly recommend it. Because it, it gives you, it makes you feel, you know, that you can overcome stuff. Accomplished. And how you can, that, not to let the little things stop you. And that's not, a, that was by far not a little thing. It is a remarkable piece of film, and again, highly, highly recommend it. No matter into sports or not, has nothing to. Do, the show itself actually has nothing to do with it. On that note, third anniversary show coming up. Special guest this week. I'll tell you in a moment who it is. Two special people actually on the show. One you know. One you might know. We'll be back after these brief messages from our friends and sponsors. Hey guys, it's Kyler Pope from the Disney Theme Park Show The Second. I just wanted to tell you about my great podcast, The Disney Theme Park Show The Second, where I talk to wonderful guests such as Matthew Gregan about all things Disney. I am available on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, and Radio Public as of now, and I hope you guys have a magical day. And now, on with the show. Marvel just finished up another run of a, a fantastic in my opinion, a fantastic series. And we'll find out what some other people think about it too. A Falcon and the Winter Soldier that um, explored the relationship between Bucky and Sam Wilson, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And I, this is something, it was so human, you know, such a, such a large and so many topics to talk about. It's not something I could handle on my own. So of course I had to bring in someone that fits the big three. He's either a wizard, android, or an alien. I haven't decided which one yet. Isaac, thank you for coming on. Android man. I hope I'm the android. I don't know. Although, you know, you have to get like frame rates updated and stuff like that. Yeah, so maybe, maybe the wizard. Maybe the wizard. Yeah, so let me, you don't have the point yet, so, so you, you'd be a sorcerer. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. You know, you know, like, you know, all it does takes to beat an android is like someone throw a, a cup of coffee on you and you're pretty much out for like six months. PM so. pulse, you're done. Yeah, pretty much. We're also joined by someone that also has his very, like Mickey Mouse, his own clubhouse. But in this one, he runs around in a Spider-Man costume. Lou, Lou Mangiello from WDW Radio. How are you doing today? And thank you for coming on. Great, man. Thanks for having me, guys. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Um, so first, let's step aside. And there's other big things going on in the MCU. We got our Shang-Chi trailer, finally. Legend of the Ten Rings. What did you guys think? Honestly, when it popped up, so okay, so um, listen, I'm still ex I'm excited for the Shang Chi trailer. I just want everybody to know that before I go into a little bit. Uh, I got martial arts now. And, and you know, to let everybody know, it's a it's a teaser. It's not really a trailer, but let's be honest, two minutes is really True. a trailer. So let's. <laughs> so what, what what are we playing? But that being said, I, I got to kind of slightly admit I was a little bit underwhelmed by that trailer. And and 
And the reason why I kind of felt like it was a little underwhelming, I kind of felt that uh, when I first watched it, I was like, oh, man, I just felt like there was... I felt like there was a lot of things I've already seen in other forms of film in terms of... Because I know this is Marvel's really introduction of their, their Asian... They're Asian superhero. Basically, Shang-Chi is supposed to be the Bruce Lee of Marvel. Uh, you know, the, the master, of, basically the master of Kung Fu and all styles in Ida's. But I, I just feel like the way that I, I saw that, it just felt a little underwhelming in the trailer in terms of what I, was, I saw. I saw, I guess, a lot of familiar tropes that I was like, I, I, I saw this done in other forms of Asian films and cinematography over the years that I've watched a lot of foreign films and I felt like they didn't show enough of the martial arts but then again like I said it is a teaser trailer that they're holding on to and I I was like ah it just felt a little underwhelming watching that first trailer I I felt like maybe they could have picked a little bit more better scenes although except they they picked the scene where he um where um, I think was it uh, what's his name? I did Sam. Was it Sam Lau? I think the Sam Lau who plays the who's playing in the the character Shang Chi when he does the double punch and the the double kick. I was like, oh that was oh that's hot. That was really cool, man. When he when he when he pulled that off. So and then and then of course you have Aquafina uh, as the actress who kind of step in, which you know um, I was a little. I, I understand they kind of put her in there for the comedic effect, but I feel like Aqua uh, like. Since her career, especially in that movie, I don't know if anybody's seen The Farewell, where she's gives a fantastic performance. I think she was almost nominated for an Oscar for that. I feel like now her kind of going from something like that back into a comedic role felt like a little bit of a step back in this situation. That being said, it is the Marvel, and I understand I'm in the House of M, and I know the um, Lord Dal Kevin Feige can Dal do no wrong, so I'm not going to really question anything that Kevin Feige has done at this point. So, yeah, I saw it was a little underwhelming, but against a teaser trailer, I know they're going to show you the real trailer, and I know they're going to knock it out of the park. <laughs> okay. All right. And Lou? So, Look, you know, as a as an MCU and Marvel enthusiast, especially after this long drought that we've had in 2020, like, give me anything and I get excited, right? Especially if it's something yeah. that we know we're going to be able to go back into the theaters for. So I'll, I'll do sort of counterpoint to that. When I saw the trailer, I was really excited. One, as somebody who doesn't really know a lot about this character and, and the storylines, it was excited to be introduced to a completely sort of different universe for me. Um, I also, as a martial arts enthusiast, I love seeing that. Um, I, I love seeing this this even further display of of martial arts on screen. Um, and and obviously going finally after after the Iron Man saga slash debacle, call it what you want in terms of what the what the ten rings uh, really were and, and who the Mandarin really was. Uh, I'm really looking forward to into getting into that real story and and all the you know the Disney associated daddy issues that come along with that too. <laughs> yeah, we we'll, we will see. They haven't settled say exactly is that the Mandarin that we saw? Is that you know what type of connection there is there? Um, in the comics, Mandarin usually is the one with the ten rings, and that's you know how he does his commanding. So we shall see how this flush. I mean. We've gotten to the point now that we should all realize that the comic books and the MCU, the movies, um, the movies will use their comic books as a basis 
but they will go in their own directions with characters and plot lines and, and stuff. So just because it happened in the comic books doesn't mean that's how it's going to happen in the, uh, in the movies. So we shall see. I, I personally, um, like you, Lou, I'm excited for it. Uh, you know, I, unfortunately the theater right by me closed, so I have to go a little further to, to get to the theaters, but I, I can't wait to get back into a theater and see something like this. Um, as for Aquafina, I thought, at least on the voice end, what she brought to uh, Rhea in The Last Dragon, I thought she uh, carried a fairly good performance in there. I'm not a huge Aquafina fan, but I couldn't tell you much about her. So I'll leave it like that. Uh, but the little bit I know, I've enjoyed. So we'll see what kind of character she brings. They're setting it up as comedic, but that doesn't mean that's what the role in the in the long run will be. Um, there, there could be, there's so much more, you know, we only got a couple, you know, a short little snippets here and there, yeah. but of course there's a, another superhero trying to stop a bus. I mean, it, not that we haven't seen that before. Yeah, no, but no, like honestly, like I said, like, I, and I'm just like with everybody else, like I'm, I'm still super pumped for this because like I said, just like, uh, let's say, like I'm a big martial arts enthusiast too. Like I love watching movies from like uh, Enter the Dragon with Bruce Lee to Jackie Chan, Rumble in the Bronx, anything like that. Um, with was all those fantastic movies, or even like the the more uh, whimsical, more uh, Academy Award winning Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which you feel that um, a movie like this kind of takes. Uh, um, influences from a lot of those uh, films too, and I also just like the name of uh, Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. It just kind of has that old Wu Tang vibe, that Wu Tang Clan vibe to it, like those old seventies kung fu movies that you would watch, which would be those very over those really cool names back in the day dropping. So um and and. Also, just to kind of name the, the cast that's a part of it, Tony Liu, who is basically playing the Mandarin, is basically like so a well-sought-out actor. Like, if there's anything that Marvel does correct, they tend to get actors that just kind of fit the roles, that kind of fit their roles into the Marvel Universe. So getting a guy like a legend like Tony Liu that's going to be playing that role is fantastic. And we have not had a, yet a chance to see Michelle Yeoh. Like, if anybody knows her from other films, you know, work alongside Jackie Chan and work, and also in other properties like uh, uh, like Star Trek. I mean, she is fantastic on her own right. So and, uh, Crazy Rich Asians is another actually great film. So I just feel like there's, uh, that you know, Marvel knows how to go out of the way of getting a really fantastic cast that fits with it. Like I said, this is the first production that's going to be all Asian in terms of director and as well as a production team. And yeah, I'm very, I'm very pumped. At, like you said, this is the first Marvel film that we're getting. This is a legit new Marvel property that we're getting in such a long period of time. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, they. Um, one thing, if Marvel does something well. Like 99% of the time, it's their casting. Their ca they always seem to be on point with their casting, uh, which I will bring up again as we talk about Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, and other casting news to move on. Uh, Amelia Clark has been uh, reported to now be part of the Secret Invasion show that will be coming out. And I also heard rumors of Olivia Coleman coming. Mm. Um, to fantastic fantastic actresses i don't know who they will be exactly 
But just, again, that kind of talent level there um, alongside with, I think that's the Samuel L. Jackson project that they're doing. Um, I, I This thing hasn't even like, really started filming. And, I, and again, I can't just help but get excited just hearing, okay, they're bringing these, these caliber of uh, this caliber of talent to the uh, to the screen. Mm-hmm. It's uh, so many good things to look. We got so much good stuff in the past, so much good stuff in the near future, and so much good stuff in the far future coming up. I mean, what do you guys think of the um, of that casting, Lou? So, <laughs> uh, a full disclosure: um, I, I have actually never seen Game of Thrones, and I have never seen The Crown. So I should probably just hand in like my nerd card right now. <laughs> However, that being said, um, I You've have seen certainly, Solo though. I have seen Solo, um, and I have certainly heard the the I, I've heard both Clark and, and Coleman's names before um, in terms of, of the quality of their work. And and to your point, you know that you know who Marvel brings in in terms of casting. You know is the best of the best of the best, um, and, and is very and, and I think. The entire Feige and the entire team has such great insight in terms of knowing who they can get certain poor performances from that you might be like, wow, this person in this role, but then it totally works on screen. Yeah. yeah. Isaac? No, honestly, I think it's a good Once again, I, I, I don't – we're in the house of M, and I don't judge the great Kevin Feige right now at the moment. I don't judge, I don't judge Sir Kevin Feige in anything that he does. Like you said, he gets the right people to get to put themselves in the right talent, and I don't think you go – and I think in terms of just the fact that Amelia Clark has already been in the Disney family, been, being in Han Solo, I just think that Disney already has that wealth of actors that they can go to from other – works that they have done to kind of move them in, into different projects so bringing a woman like amelia clark i think is fantastic i know i have watched game of thrones too so I, and the work that she's done in there is wonderful and also like olivia and coleman too i think she's just a well-seasoned actress british actress who's been in so many fantastic films and and things in, in in her work so yeah again i have nothing against any of these actors actresses that they brought in for 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 secret uh secret wars um other than that is this the uh other than that these are the only two actor people that they mentioned other than i assume samuel jackson have to, to return back into the role um in, in into that in that place right and i think they also mentioned uh uh was it kobe smolders is it kobe smolders is coming back for secret wars or no possibly uh most likely for as a um to reprise her character i i i would think so yeah. um and we may get uh ben mendelson yeah so we'll get a few of those people back um, I, I apologize. I wrote down Olivia Coleman. He's people wondering besides the crown also would probably know her from Broadchurch and Dr. Who or some yes. of her bigger credits. Uh, Mia Clark, uh, again, mentioned solo game of Thrones and she was in Terminator Genesis. Yeah. Let's not remember that. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't think too many people talk about that one. <laughs> yeah. That one's a little rough, but no. Uh, but yeah, I, um, again, this one is in the early, early stages. Mm-hmm. But we shall, we shall see. Again, if this comes to fruition, because things could always change. All mm-hmm. these things are fluid until they're actually released. That is true. 
Right. We're ready to go. Should be uh, a nice, nice series. Wait, who they got listed? So, Kingsley Ben Belair, Amelia Clark, Olivia Coleman, Samuel Jackson, and yeah, Ben Mendelsohn. So okay. nice. Shaping up to be a fairly good cast so far. For a television show. And that's not bad for a television show, too, man. That's going to be easy plus. Yeah, looking forward to it. All right, so let's let's get on to the main event, as it were. And I apologize to anyone who has not seen it. If you have not seen all six episodes, I would suggest pausing and coming back. Go go, sit down, spend six good hours and watch a, a fantastic show. Come back, continue, and listen to us talk about this this show. At least I'm I'm saying it's fantastic. I'll let you guys, you know, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Um, Lou, what were your expectations coming into this, and how did how did it meet or not meet or kind of fall in the middle? So, <clears throat> as a as a whole for the Falcon Winter Soldier, um, it had a nearly impossible task, and it, you know, it's. It's like trying to follow like the number one show on television, like on Friday night. Like, how do you possibly be the show that has to follow WandaVision, where the expectations were set so high, the water cooler conversations were so fast and furious? And I don't remember any show, save for, well, I was gonna say maybe even Lost, but I mean that Lost is sort of a, a rewatch of the series, where each week. I was watching the WandaVision episodes three times, four times, sometimes five times, and spending a lot of time talking about it with friends or looking things up online. There was this incredible buzz about that show. So our expectation and excitement levels were sort of turned up to 11, and Falcon and Winter Soldier has to follow that. And I think the first two episodes, even like WandaVision, they were sort of that slow burn, right? You had to sort of buy into it. And then all of a sudden it started to feel much more like an MCU movie almost in terms of pacing and action. I, I think there were definitely um, some highs and lows in terms of specifically pacing in the series as a whole. But in the final episode, I think it did a, a really good job of wrapping up that six-part series as its sort of own entity. Um, it, it definitely sort of had that, you know, first, second, and third act, wrapped it up tightly, but still left enough meat on the bone in terms of teasing what was next, including with the, the obviously, the end credit scene. Right. Isaac? Uh, just to kind of kick up with Lou, what, what he's saying, man, uh, after watching six episodes, honestly, because remember, in the beginning, uh, Captain, uh, the Falcon, and Winter Soldier was supposed to be the first series that originally was supposed to kick off this new slate of Disney Plus shows back in the day. Unfortunately, due to the situations that we have in the world, things had to get moved around a little bit, though. But after watching six uh, fantastic episodes, man, I was just completely floored and excited about the journey of the, of all these characters. You know, honestly, especially to me, uh, just watching this all kind of unfold. I mean, you really have to commend Disney 
and marvel for like i said to kind of have the stones to be able to be able to take on the subject matter and be able to present it to a lot of people out there now mind you i don't know who, who's watching it right now that might feel a little bit uncomfortable exactly where disney is going with this new slate of characters and how they want to push these characters moving forward so i have to really commend disney and marvel for taking at least a leap of faith and to kind of build a story that's natural to the reason why he ends up uh, why sam goes from being the falcon to being new captain america when it's all said and done and that journey of getting to it is something that has to be commended and i've also loved the symbolism of how they were able to warp out what that shield kind of means to everybody for sam it just means that an african-american right now who has fought basically both wars internally and external and internal threats is still kind of being looked upon as an african-american who struggles with systemic problems in america for for bucky it's about acceptance about trying to find acceptance about losing his friend the only person who's been around for a hundred years the only person that can understand them is now gone and trying to find that acceptance in this world for his credence and facing postpartum um uh, postpartum depression and ptsd what soldiers go through uh for for john walker's character i kind of look at him dude as privilege and then to kind of say even white privilege because of the way how they kind of warped in those situations throughout the whole film like the way that even john walker kind of walks kind of presents himself as a person of privilege and, and, and almost entitled to a right if you paid attention to how the how um, how Steve Rogers would act in the situation. Steve would introduce himself as Steve Rogers, while John Walker kind of introduces himself as Captain America. He was never really that personable dude that comes in. So you kind of look in it. And into Carly, you can even look into Carly's character, who, who kind of deleted the Flag Smashers. That kind of looks like a person that has been lost, who's kind of left in the shuffle when, you know, everything post-blimp, everybody is returned and where everybody is being displaced and how they looked at that shield, even from afar, what it was supposed to originally represent, this freedom, this person that comes to justice, the person that accepts humility and, and entrance to whole. So the the way they were able to kind of use the symbolism as a shield is in a strange, striking way of how you look at America, um, how it's even presented in terms of how you even look at the American flag and how it, how you you look at that piece of symbolism and what it means to every individual person that lives in this country and the way that they handled it. So I think whoever what the, the writer for for this uh, was was incredible. Um, I got to look up his name again for uh, for the writer on this. Uh, I apologize. Should have came with uh, came with the uh, the name of the writer. Well, you, had, you had several. Yeah, you, you have uh, Glenn Colin. The showrunner is Malcolm Spellman. He's the main yeah. dude kind of running more than again. But there are right fantastic writers, um, writers that kind of really stepped into to the fold. But yeah, I I just thought this was just such a, a fantastically well done series and stepping into it. And yeah, I'm 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 pumped and proud. And they just currently announced that he will be um, that they're giving him the first shot at Captain America four. So hopefully, you know, he he um, sticks with it. Mm-hmm. Um, again, filming stuff being fluid, you know, it may or may not stay the same. Hopefully, it does. And um, you know, we sh- I enjoyed what they gave us. It was the show 
of the the initial slate of shows that they uh, mentioned between WandaVision, Loki, this this was the one that I had the highest expectations for. And uh, Lou, like you said, it kind of like WandaVision start off at that slow burn. You got a little bit of action up front, and then you got more backstory. I I'm a sucker for the the backstory stuff. The, when you get to more know these heroes more, and I think that's something that they have the benefit of doing in these limited series, or I guess in this one um, short series or whatever they're calling it, uh, season one. They um they have the time to be able to get let you know these characters more than what we've had in the movies, you know before. Sam Wilson was the guy on the left. I'm on, you know, on your left, on your left. So that was kind of the running gag with his character. But you didn't really get to know him as Sam. You just, you knew a little bit of his backstory. You knew he was, you know, there for Captain America whenever uh, Steve needed him. But here you really get you get to meet his sister and find out what she's been going through. And, you know, dealing with the parents. And while he's off saving the world, basically... She's just trying to keep the family business going and keep, you know, food on the table for her kids. And that, you know, additional side, that is something that we don't normally get to see, the, the, the human side of these characters. And then we're seeing Bucky dealing with his past. And like you were saying, um, Isaac, about what the shield means to Bucky, not only was, you know, Steve his best friend, if you follow the arc, you know, even at times when Bucky was out of control and didn't know who he was, Steve always believed in him. To to um, to Steve, Bucky was always his best friend, even whenever he was brainwashed and you know killing people and doing, you know, working for Hydra. That was still his friend, and he couldn't you know, he couldn't see past that. That that was always his friend and he was always there to defend his friend. So, I mean, that, that was, that's something that else I think that, um, weighs on Bucky that, you know, his, his friend that the only person that ever believed in him at times is now gone in one way or another. And now he has to start fresh. And, you know, you had these two friends and the main commonality was Steve. Steve is gone. But you see the relationship start to build between them. Now, you know, they've had moments in the past. And now this is, you know, each episode you got more and more um, to the point that Bucky's coming over to Sam's sister's house to try and help rebuild the boat. You, you know, you, you have um, the little banter between each other. I mean, they kind of push each other in a good way. Um, so it's uh, I, I, I in the end, I enjoyed it. It got a lot heavier, where where Vision was a lot more uh, lighter entertainment, and it was kind of that okay, find the hidden clues and hidden meanings to everything. This was a lot more. It was a lot more like Winter Soldier, where everything was kind of laid out for you, and you kind of had an idea of of some of the direction, but the the messaging and the. Um, the weight of each episode was just so much more um, because as Marvel does, it, it dealt with issues of humanity and not just issues of entertainment. We're not here to just to put on a, a fun show. We're here to put on a fun show, but let you know that there's some things that need to be talked about and we're going to talk about it. 
you know, Sam had that that speech at the end. Um, I, and I would I would love to get Anthony Mackey's uh, point of view of, you know, what was it like to be able to speak those words? You know, one to, to don that suit, put on that shield, and then to speak those words to a quote-unquote government official. And, you know, talk about things need to be talked about, and you people aren't talking about it in the right way. I'm not trying to get political here, but it's but that's what they're kind of you know bringing up with everything that's going on in our country nowadays. Marvel's you know using that and just saying that we need to get together as a people and move forward in a proper direction and stop stop looking back. I guess I'm trying to think of the best way to say that. Yeah, it's a tough it's a tough balance to yeah. it's a tough road to hoe for Marvel because. On one hand, you you know look for for a lot of people movies and and theme parks whatever it is, it's a, it's a it's escapism right. You want to go to avoid everything that's going on in the real world and sort of give your brain a little bit of a break from it. By by the same token, there's also responsibility to comment, especially when you do have that platform and the opportunity to do so. Um, and you know whenever you do, you're going to have people sort of on both sides of the coin. Some people like the fact that it's there. Some people don't like the fact that it's there. But I think you're right. I think it's I think it's balanced well enough so that it is uh, it's effective, um, it's powerful, but it's not um, you know it's not preachy to the point that it takes right. away from uh, the integrity of the story itself. Yeah. Uh, no yeah. point. I did. I sorry. I said go ahead. No, and 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 I think that's kind of why, like I said, the the, the fantastic balance and act was able uh, for Malcolm Spillman, for the showrunner and the writers that work together to kind of be able to put in these uh, these kind of these ideals these ideals that America faces every day um, into the show, be able to move in those ideals and be able to be able to pick these out depending on who looks out on, on the aisle. And to kind of go back to what you're saying, Matthew, about, um, you know, we, we were, again, once, when, we, when we talk about just picking actors to fill in those voids, I just, you know, you kind of have to look at, like, how how did Marvel just down the road know about, like, Anthony Mackie, like, just down the road to be able to pick an actor of his ilk to be able to, again, like, yeah, they, they, they cast him to be, just Sam, aka the Falcon, back in like oh, back in the Civil War, only to be kind of introduced later on. To see him now be one of the biggest, one of the bigger players now moving forward into the next phase of the Marvel uh, MCU, and 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 just to kind of dwell back onto that 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 fantastic speech. I mean, granted, uh, some people may have felt that it felt a little bit after school, especially in terms of how he presented the speech, though. But I think there's an idea of just simply be able to okay, you, if you didn't really get the message watching these six episodes, the final one we're going to tell it to you simple and straight. We're going to let you know what's going on, and I think. I think when you were listening to that speech, I think you were not listening to actual, in my opinion, I don't think you were listening to Sam. Sam, I think you were just listening straight up to Anthony Mackie. Because when you hear him say that, it really felt like it was coming from him. Like, literally, like Anthony Mackie coming from him. 
delivering that speech and whoever the writer who put that in there god bless you man because that was just fantastic and how he put it in and it was just like yeah you're right you can't now you can't really argue with all the points that he sat down to make like like let's go into like who who are the people like you said talking about the representatives who make these decisions who are you in that room are you in there with people like us Everyday people, they're struggling to make ends meet. Are you with those people every day to answer those questions? Or are you being in there with people with suits, people with power, people with privilege, people that have a comfort zone making those same decisions, people that think like you in those same exact rules? It brings in everything more even just about race, about about economic society, about boundaries, about all of that. And I thought that that speech really did it such a great job encompassing all of that right now and the fact that anthony mackie is just an actor that's just growing into being really one of these phenomenal black actors in hollywood to be able to deliver that speech i don't think anybody really right now could deliver that speech better than anthony mackie could no and i think we can take it most people i think see it as race i think we could take it one step further and said just issues in general about disabled, elderly, uh, you know, ethnicity, you know, just whatever. It kind of gets summed up and put into that that speech. Um, and he, he, again, delivers it so well. Um, yeah, I, I don't think when, you know, actually it was Winter Soldier when they first casted him. I don't think they ever saw it going in this direction, but the fact that it did and... You know, people, oh, that's not how Captain America would do it. No, Captain America, as you follow the character, doesn't necessarily be, he's not America's quote-unquote puppet anymore. He was like that in, in the first film, mm-hmm. but uh, and even in the beginning of the comics. But as the character grew and realized what's going on in the world, you know, again, like in Winter Soldier and stuff, in Civil War, he stood up against the government where he said, no, this is not right. You know, Civil War, the whole, the whole premise of that was that, you know, the government tried to come in and start controlling things. And, you, and Captain America's like, no, I've, I've been in this position before, and this isn't how things get done properly. We need to do things in a different direction. So it, it, it fits, fits the shield, the outfit. Better yet, it fits the title. It, it fits the title of Captain America, and it, it just, you know, he, he really grew into his role for that. And I think the, the how the story arc went from him first rejecting it, so yes, you have to lose something to realize its value. And, you know, Sam loses the shield at the beginning. He gives it away. And then they give it away to this, you know, to John Walker. Um. And then he realized, I guess, you know, Bucky's there reminding him what it means. And I think he he goes on this personal journey to discover, no, you know what? I I do have this responsibility. Steve gave it to me and I owe it to him to to continue his his journey. But I, I actually like, and, and I think this is great why we're having this conversation because I guess we can see it in completely different points of views. And I think this is why this is such a fantastic, why I love how this show was done because I think, I, I think when 
and, and, and I've noticed with a lot of reactors, because I, I don't know on YouTube, there's a lot of reactors going on. And I notice I watch a lot of white reactors that go in. And I kind of just notice the difference between how black reactors reacted to certain moments in seeing a white vote scene. And and this is the thing. I think a lot, and I and it, it was really interesting. I think in terms of a lot of my Caucasian friends and a lot of the reactors saw that, I think they looked at it more as a, why did you take down the shield? Why did you pass down that shield? Uh, why did you give that shield away? Like, there's a reason why Steve gave it to you because I think the idea is that the end, he's a good person. Sam was a good person. And he saw the same qualities that Steve had that he gave it to Sam. The reason why he couldn't give it to Bucky. I know people wanted Bucky to get it too. And I would have been fine if Bucky got it too because I think Bucky would have been the natural cause. But the fact that we're able, after the events of Endgame, pass it to Sam was wow. Mar- like I was like, Disney's going to go that way. And I can understand Sam's plight of holding on to the shield because at the end of the day, it's people have got it and they, they said it. People have been, when they see Captain America, they see a white, tall, blue eyes, blonde hair guy representing the shield. That's how America has been in the eyes of Lot. But that's not been in America for Sam, who's been. Yeah. that's been given his blood his soul and to a lot again that's why the resemblance and the same thing that shield is almost like identical to representing the flag a lot of people feel that representing the red white and blue hasn't felt the same for other people living in the country and there's a reason why he even when the after the end of endgame it says that shield feels like it holds to somebody else in either though that steve said it it doesn't pretty much but that's the thing that he, I feel that I get because it's 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 it feels like a duality for to be an African Amer to be in a black man living in this country and then to be American. You face two different dualities in this country, and I get that Sam was going going for because people are not gonna like me for holding the shield for whatever reason. It doesn't matter how hard I work. It doesn't matter what I've given to this country, my blood, my sweat and tears. Some people just can't get over the fact if I take on this mantle, they're just going to hate me regardless. And even on top of that, and it's not even just for white, the white population of America, but even for black people in America too. Because as you say, going through what Isaiah Bradley brought into the, into no, no, no white man would want to see Captain America hold that shield. But you most said no people, black man would want that either. Yeah, that, that's exactly what it's going to go to. No respecting black man would want to hold that shield because of what the responsibility that comes to even representing even the black community. Being the first of anything could be just as 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 tough to be a first of anything because of the ridicule of not knowing that you have so many eyes that want you to fail on one side but so many people that you have to live put on your shoulders to represent live up to it that shield held a lot of weight to him that i know that he wasn't ready to take the take the mantle to so when you kind of go back to episode five with bucky kind of finally well dude i did not get that i did not know that that had that much burden on you understood why he he gave the shield up right. other than that it, it, it i said okay yeah they get it like they, they get it like to me like and i understand not everybody's going to understand it but at least you at least try to 
to at least understand. Even if you don't get it, try to at least understand why it comes with a lot of burden to try to hold that. And again, I loved how that story progressed to move forward. And it, like you said, it allowed Sam uh, to to really dissect it throughout the whole time to get Isaiah's point of view, to get the government's point of view, to get what Bucky was thinking. A lot of that weighed on him to be that Captain America. That's why I think it was so fulfilling why everybody was able to rejoice when Sam took on the shield because that, that made a whole lot more sense to, to dive through that. Right. And he got to make his own decision, not someone else make the decision for him. And Lou, what did you think? Yeah. You know, again, it's, um, it, it's, there's there's that responsibility. I keep going back to this responsibility of of Marvel because as you were talking, Isaac, I was thinking about a lot of the responses that I was seeing online. And look, there, admit it, look, I there are things that I cannot understand and I cannot relate, and I am very sensitive to that. Um, and and I and I liked seeing such um, such a good positive response to not just the opportunity taken for opportunity's sake, but done in a in a smart meaningful and i think impactful way you know sometimes the way to reach people is not sort of beat them over the head with something but speak to them at a time and in a way that they can understand more and i think both sam's speech at the end as well as um, isaiah's speech in episode four or five whatever it was and then sam speaking to him again in episode six it was it was very powerful it was very meaningful and it certainly will um, these are the things that I think are going to be remembered, you know, uh, as the conversation about Falcon and Winter Soldier continues on for a long time. Oh, absolutely. Indeed. Um, yeah, it, it's they, they kept on bringing up the point And, you know, it, it, Isaac, we talked about on the other time about was it episode two you know, where you had the incident with the, the police officers? Yeah. So, I mean, they, you know, they're showing you. Things aren't always played out equally, and it doesn't matter who you are. Unfortunately, these things sometimes do happen. And, um, but again, they, I don't, they didn't drive it. You know, they didn't, you know, they, they brought it to your attention, they let you know about it, but they didn't keep hitting you over the head with it. No. And where in some cases, sometimes it's like you're, 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 they're just really pushing the topic. This is they they give it to you. Here it is. You know, take it in. But I'm not going to force you on it. And people just I think people react differently when it's forced on them, wherever it's shown to them. I know some people thought this show got too political. Um, I thought it kept right kind of at a good balance. Um, and it, it, it that's a very difficult balance, especially wherever like Lou you were saying. You're trying to get something more entertaining, something that's more of just to escape the world around you. Sometimes we do need to let the world around us in, um, because how else are we going to keep moving forward? Yeah, you know, it, it's kind of funny how like a lot of people do say that like they want their entertainment to be escapism. I get it. a lot of us want to be able to get away from the 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 torment of the world it, it's not i mean the world's a really tough place what we're reading we're here in terms of the pandemic in terms of racial turmoil that's happening right now but i, I just feel like i feel like it just should give us a call of arms to try to do better in our reality so in that mm-hmm. way not live in a reality where 
I'm escaping reality to just watch. Tell I'm watching these shows to escape reality, but now we I want to be able to watch these shows where it 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 adds to my reality. You know, it my reality is good, but I can watch these things. It makes it better. Not I have to get away from the real world. I I, I had to watch this fantasy just to get away from the real world. You know, I, I would love us to eventually get there. I know it's a pipe dream and hopeful to be saying things like that, but it'd be nice to eventually know that our reality is just as great and fruitful and wonderful and that we just have this great, great pieces of art that we're watching, right, that just complements that. You know, it, it'd be, it would be something, you know, to be able to get there, though. But, uh, yeah, and like you said, just, just how, once again, handling how you handling racial problems within the MCU and how they were able to do that with the racial profiling moment after having a, a painful discussion with Isaiah Brad uh, Isaiah Bradley revealing that he was the first black cap captain and and everything that he went through, you know, where it was night and day. Was incredibly night and day. All all much I think I went on and posted that I would love to see uh, Disney Plus do a, a, a six part series with just focus on uh, and Isaiah Bradley's character and maybe have his story told in full in a way that we can kind of see it that complements what we've seen with Captain America and Steve Rogers. I think that'd be a great idea for Disney to, to go and explore a little bit. You know, now that they have a platform like that where you can do multiple you can do multiple Elseworld stories that yeah. that that's uh, on to the MCU. And if if they think the story is going to be too heavy for Disney Plus, you always have Hulu too that you could you could put this on where they can really maybe dive more into it. Um I I'd, you know they they've set up the opportunity to do it you know with everything else on their plate, hopefully they can find a spot to be able to bring this into it too. Cause I think, I think now they, they set it up right that you piqued a lot of people's interests, you know, go back and read that, that series or, you know, or hopefully you can watch it one day. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like the moment at the end where Sam brought him to the, the museum and they created this section for him to remember him. Yeah. I thought it was a very, uh, very touching moment. No, I, I agree. You know, I want to throw a question since we kind of talked to. So, like in terms of characters, what what characters did you guys in, in, enjoy the most, or uh, throughout throughout this entire series? Um, ideally, any characters that you guys just really loved and how they were written, how they were portrayed, and stuff like that. I have two words for you, Zemo dance that's it that's it (laughs) (laughs) did you sit through (laughs) lou did you sit through the full hour loop that they they created i still have it looping on a second screen i just keep it on all the time if you want to get a little happy you just take a look at that you just look at him doing his thing oh man i I have to say he's a better dancer than me yeah (laughs) i i hey man i love the, the the fact that they brought back Daniel Brawl 
you know, to play Zemo again. It's just what a what a fantastic time to bring that character into where you know you could have thought that they could like you could have felt they could have made him a little bit goofy at times, but I think the fact that they in, they incorporate a bit of personality into him, really cool personality where you're like, well, you're the bad guy in Age of Ultra, you're in the bad guy in Civil War, and now like you're this really guy with a great, a funny, a fun, fleshed out character. That also brought in very reasonable points, too. He was a bad guy that made great points, too. We were like, I kind of have to agree with you. Uh, uh, man, even when the part when he talk, when he goes to Sam and he's talking about the Marvin Gaye album and how it captures the African-American experience. He, and then there's like, yo, dude, you're out of line, but he's not wrong. <laughs> He is right. He's like, how did you not watch Marvin Gaye? Like, it's just, just. I, I'm happy they brought his character back. I'm all. I'm also very happy that they that that character wasn't killed. That he's in the rest. So you know that back. They're gonna. You know they have to bring that character back in some form or fashion. Hopefully, hopefully in uh, Thunderbolts. You know that everybody's quietly talking about that anti uh, that anti Suicide Squad like group uh, for Marvel. So. Wow, that that's a hard one to follow up because he he was just so enjoyable to watch, and you wish that he was in it more. But the timing, the, he it was kind of fitting the amount of time that he was in it. Um, who did I? I want to say that like Sam or Bucky. Just you know what? I'm gonna say Sam's sister. Interesting. Because, you know, she, again, you you kind of got her at key moments. And it's like, okay, again, your your big, your brother, I was assuming it's her big brother, but her brother is, you know, this this big superhero uh, who's gone on and fought against not even the world's toughest villains, the galaxy's toughest villains, mm-hmm. you know, and, and help bring everyone down. But none of that seems to matter to her. She's, she oh. still treats it like her, you know, just like he's a, a normal normal sibling yeah. you know and tries to put him in line and go you know i don't care that you were fighting you know the mad titan i needed you here to help me with stuff and no one was helping me take you know i'm a single mother raising my kids and doing all this stuff that that stuff didn't matter to me and just kind of you know her story about stuff and then she unwillingly gets dragged in uh by carly and it's um she she, you know, she doesn't know how to turn and you know that vulnerability of how does this person know about me and why am I getting dragged into this you know that that's that's my brother's stuff mm-hmm. Do you leave me out of it um and, and, and you know at the end a little flirting between her and Bucky yes. um, I, I I found it interesting I I, I I enjoyed watching her I think um she was again one of those under um, scored characters. Yeah. That just played out so well, um, the, the times that we had her. So, I, yeah, I would go with her. No, yeah. cool. Uh, I think a character that I, I also enjoyed um, that was very controversial. Uh, if, if you remember, I wasn't really a big fan of this character. I think I got to go with John Walker, too. I think John Walker was a very interesting character in terms of how they bring in this brand new Captain America who later on becomes, you know, 
the quote-unquote USA agent. I think his his ability to kind of be able to play this again this this character that is that has great qualities, great qualities that anybody would want. Uh, being Captain America, like he's qualified, he's literally qualified to be Captain America based on his shields, his 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 credentials. And then he ends up real, he ends up realizing he goes into this basically the superhero world where he's going into the big boys, where he's li- he's clearly out of his depth, out of his range, and he's just not as built under pressure as he would thought to take on the world stage of being Captain America. And you can really kind of see it because at the end of the day, he's not a bad guy. He's just a guy who kind of rushes into decisions. And most importantly, a person that kind of just gets disrespected on throughout the entire course of the series. If you just kind of pay attention, nobody respects him going up to this point until it led to that eventually the, the, the pivotal point where it just went from a guy who was just nobody liked to a person that people kind of just hated on in, in a situation like that. But uh, it's I, I would have to say, you know, um, uh, Wyatt Russell's portrayal of playing uh, Mr. Walker in this series was also really interesting to see exactly a kind of a, just a man who kind of just walks around with the privilege uh, and kind of to be able to kind of be able to do things. And even after that kind of interesting event, too, you, you know, you also look at these kind of similarities and stuff like that of like, you know, what, how he was able to kind of get it away with it, not really truly get other than losing what rank. I think he only lost his rank. He never got court martial, but he lost his rank and all that other stuff. Really didn't get sent to jail or anything like that. He was able to still kind of be able to operate. Um, it was now now it was a dude with super soldier. So I loved John. I loved Wyatt Russell's portrayal of John. I think it was a really really good play. Uh, speaking of John, uh, extending that, what do you guys think about uh, uh, you, uh, Mr. Uh, Russell's character, John Walker, kind of moving forward? What were your thoughts? Um, let me. Uh, just, I'm glad you brought it up because mm-hmm. I wanted to really d- uh, dive into this character. And Lou, you'd know this on the the spoilers page that you created. We we got what twenty seconds of him in, at the end of the first episode, and everyone hated him. I mean, talk about perfect casting. You know, I've never seen so many people hate a character. Yeah, that vehemently, had, like the guy didn't speak a word, and they hated him. He just stood mm-hmm. there and smiled, and everyone ripped him apart. But you know what? Going back to the casting. You want to talk about, look, I, I give massive credit to Wyatt Russell, how he can go from this, to your point, and in, I mean, a literally a, a hated character in every sense of the, the, the word, to at the end, his redemption arc makes him very sympathetic. And all of a sudden, you're like, ah, like I want to give John Walker a hug. I mean, until he puts on the U.S. agent thing, they're like, "All right, he's a jerk again." But for a little, <laughs> for a few moments, he did. A, I mean, he did a um, from a, a performance perspective. He did a great job of taking us with him on this journey from you know arrogance to insanity to redemption to sympathy mm-hmm. to wherever a U.S. agent and I love Julia Louis Dreyfus. Where they are going to take us next? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we we don't know. And, and from right here, we, we're supposed to find out more about her in, in the Black Widow movie. So we're kind of seeing this out of order. Yeah. But 
you know, is she, which version of this character is she? Is she Hydra? Is she S.H.I.E.L.D.? Is she, you know, somebody else? Is she going to pull together the Thunderbolts? Is she, you know, what is her motive here? And uh, we, at some point, we're going to find more about this out. Um, but yeah, I, I just, you just love to hate the character, but you really kind of see this this weird progression of um, the, the development of him and, you know, kind of trying to live up to the expectations that he feels has been put upon him. But also thinking back to the original Captain America, when um, Stanley Tucci's character is saying, well, no, I want the skinny, scrawny guy for this. And the government's trying to put a, you know, oh, this is, look, he's the, the perfect soldier. He, he would, you know, he's perfect for the program. No, that's not who we want. We want the the guy, you know, the, the nerdy guy off to the side that's, you know, cowarding or, you know, who, who knows to pull a pin out of a flagpole instead of try to climb it. That uses his brain and his heart and not, you know, his body, which is why they picked Steve to begin with. And now the government finally gets their chance to put someone behind the shield and they picked the guy that, you know, Stucci's character said, no, this is, you know, not the example that we wanted. And now we get to see why this wasn't supposed to be Captain America to begin with. You know, the guy who's fought in the tours and done his country proud and ha- won all the medals and, you know, gets the girl and has the big smile um, and even bigger chin. He, uh, he can't, you know, he, he can't handle it. And the, the super soldier serum enhances who you are. And if you're just a, and no disrespect to soldiers, because I, I love my soldiers, but if you're a soldier and you're, you're following orders and not your heart, how do I not say to make this so bad, but it, it's, it's two different people is in this, the serum is good. You know, doesn't work the same for someone in that position versus someone in like Steve's position. Um, and you could see how that affected John Walker's character throughout the, you know, after when he decided to take the serum, because he, you know, he's talking to his buddy Lamar. I'm like, well, would you take it? Would not, he was having, you know, second thoughts himself. He had the ability to take it. He wasn't sure. His buddy Lamar's like, you know, absolutely. I would, t-. you know, if I had the ability to take it and stop, you know, complete the mission, then that's what I'm going to do. Whatever it takes to complete the mission. So he went ahead and took it, and it, it messed with him. Yeah. And it, it took him a while. Um, I mean, we get that that really heavy, dramatic, um, and in some ways a fantastically played out scene where he chases down Carly's right-hand man um, and, and bludgeons him to death in front of all these people you know you publicly come out and you actually get the blood on the shield yeah. and i'm saying it's fantastic because of the way that they shot it in the way that they portrayed it in the way the message came across and the symbolism of the blood on the shield and you know the you know here's your representative and look what he's done and kind of symbolizing to everybody that's fighting against uh, Captain America and Lamar and Falcon and Winter Soldier, you know, they literally have blood on their hands. And then the next episode, you have Sam picking up that shield and with his own bare hands, wiping that blood off. 
trying to make it right. And that's what he he kept on doing. It's not going out there and trying to use your muscle. It's going out there and trying to use your brain and use your heart to talk and reason with everybody and find out, I understand your problem. Let's let's take it back a notch and see how we can work this out with our words and not with our fists. I mean, you had that beautiful scene at the in the last episode after Gary has been shot and Sam is carrying her down and the way that he comes down with the wings out and holding cradling her body lands there and puts her on the stretcher just tenderly and caringly. I mean, that's you know, cinematic beauty right there. Just being, and it just portrays so much. No. Yeah. And I think just how those, those characters were used, I think were, was fantastic. And, uh, but I also to kind of bring it back to where was John too, in yeah, terms yeah, of us uh, with, with soldiers uh, to going back into that court martial scene where he's about to, he didn't get court martial was going on, on trial for his actions. You know, it also kind of just paints exactly kind of how you look at governments in terms of a situation like that. Like, and how you said Julia Dreyfus comes in to tell John, it's like, they're not mad at you. They thought what you did was okay. The problem is you got caught because you were on television, and now you kind of make us look bad, and we're going to dispose of you. And it's a weird way, in a way, it's like, a slap on the wrist. It's the it's slap on the wrist too, which you know also you know brings out other tensions too. For the if, again, if if another person was in that situation, we don't know how that would have ended. But at, at the same situation um but like going back to how soldiers are dealt to especially at times of war where you know they they sign up to dedicate their lives they sign up to help you know to represent again the, the flag and to come back and just not have the necessary needs to be able to incorporate themselves into life it's it's, it's kind of that that small scene where john says like you guys made me this you guys hired me to do the job I did the job and now you're just going to throw me away just like it's nothing. Well, you can't because now I'm doused up with super source. I'm a super soldier now, but it, it just kind of shows you a little bit of how you see a lot of soldiers just getting thrown into these wars that, some of them don't really know why they're fighting. Other than them are for completely different. Some of them are known like, okay, maybe, maybe I serve my time. I can come back. Maybe that could be a foothold other financial needs that I can do or things like that but not a lot of the turmoil that comes with like the post uh, was the PTSD that was that 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 could be experienced to a situation like that which I think John clearly in, in maybe his mental mind wasn't really all there when really taking on that mantle and then like I said now that you have the super soldier that brings a guy that probably really wasn't all there making maybe questionable decisions at his time now having more absolute power to be able to, like you said, it, it just, it just pushes more of who you are. I think really was maybe again, a situation where maybe the government really didn't do a great job of really evaluating the person that should hold that shield on them. But then again, like, uh, like what Val said, it's like kind of that shields in the gray area. It's not really owned by their government. So <laughs> kind of, you know, who knows pretty much at that point. Indeed. Um, yeah, you bring up a good point that, you know, it's 
they used him as okay well we stripped you of the the captain america title he's like well you know you gave me the job this is the job you want me to do i went out and did it you know it's the old thing well i was following orders well if the orders didn't play out that the way that you know in this case the where they call the gcu yeah a GCC, I think the GCC um, wanted, you know, then, okay, well, we'll point, you know, we'll use you as, you know, the scapegoat there. We did something about it. Even though, you know, Julia Zeus-Dreyfus, the way that she just walked in. <laughs> she slayed, man. It's, it's just like, it's, it's her. What she do? It's I Elaine just, I, who's lying for the moment. Yeah, I, I, was, like, I, was so, I was so confused. I was like, Elaine? What's she <laughs> So either it was a, either it was a late or beep. It's like one of the two. It's like late. Is she gonna start dancing? Oh man, that's what they should they should have her and Zemo dancing together. Oh dude, that that that's so. Loose cool. nodding his head here. He's like, yeah, that dance was, off, dance off. There bro. you go. <laughs> Elaine, dance off. Zemo and Star Lord have a dance off. I if I was good at video editing and I had the time, I would totally make that mashup video. Oh, that would be... <laughs> oh my god, that would be so fun, man! That would be that be incredibly fun, man, to, to be able to. See. I have to check. Someone supposedly said in the back by the bar that there there is someone doing the Elaine style dance. Yeah, <laughs> I have to check that out. I gotta check that out. Oh my god, that was just a fantastic, fantastic series. Um. Another interesting character I also want to throw in is Carly's character. What did you guys think of her character moving forward? Because I felt like, to me, I felt like her... Did did you feel like she, her character was a necessary bad? Did you feel like she was enough of a threat for this series? Or, uh, yeah, I just I want to answer people's characters, what they thought about her, what she brought to the table and into this whole series. So I think we know that that a lot was cut out because of the timing with with COVID in terms of Mm -hmm. additional storylines. I have a feeling there was more more of Carly's storyline that was flushed out because some parts, especially near the end, felt like they were a little little rushed, a little hurried, Mm -hmm. Um, especially in the last episode. Um, And and as you as you felt some of the other flag smashers sort of falling away from her and, and distancing themselves and her having to sort of snap them back in. You almost felt like there was a little piece of that puzzle that might have been missing. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think that character was underdeveloped. Um, like up to a point, you could follow her along and understand her perspective and and where she was going and why. Um, but then I think we we lost some of that. Um, I I liked the interactions that she was having with Sam and how there's moments that they were connecting and then something happened to to disrupt that mm-hmm. and she started it seemed like to me that she started using those connections to try and manipulate sam but i never understood why she you know what was her, was her motivation strong enough to do that uh it, it, some of it was a, it was a little little broken up but um yeah i i think they could that's that's part of the story that they could have brought up um, and tied up a little better. And yeah. like Lou said, because of COVID, unfortunately, we did lose a lot of that um, in the editing and having to to reschedule stuff and and how they had to do things. Um, yeah, I, I I wanted more from that character. 
that, that's one character I, I definitely wanted more. And I'm, I'm assuming she's dead. I think Sam said that she died. But yeah. I, 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 again, even that, I, I was even, wait, is he referring to her? Is it something else? I, I, I was a little, I was even lost on that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I think her character was, uh, I, I could I could see where everybody could see that her character needed enough flushed out material. Like you said, like like Lou said, the pandemic came in and we don't really know what footage was supposed to be in there to kind of fit in those pieces too. But it just seemed based on what how they were able to edit her scenes and made her seem like she she was enough to get the job done. Although you felt like the uh, flag smashers. You really, you felt like the Flash Masters could have been a little bit more developed. I think another thing too, also that could have been a little bit more developed was GDC, and because I feel like they kind of like what in episode three just kind of sprung that at you out of nowhere. GDC is everywhere. GDC is everywhere, and it really again doesn't really play. The only real part that the GDC really plays it was just for that one little moment, and then the final episode in the end, where Sam makes that grand big speech to people that were at that summit. Um, so yeah, you really, you really didn't get to see a little bit of that perspective again. Maybe because of COVID, had to cut out more episodes. Really didn't get how much how how that was supposed to play and how they came in to disrupt other governments to be able to just kind of get the world back to normal to fit their own place and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think there were, there were a lot of things. I feel like, you know, it felt like that, that season finale left a lot on the table, although still a fantastic season finale for what they were able to show. Well, as, as Kevin said, the, this, these series aren't going to be, you know, in their own little bubble. They, they bleed out into, the the MCU, so things may not finish up here, but we'll get more answers in other shows, movies, series, uh, what have you. Um, it it doesn't end here. And uh, again, how they they submitted to the Emmys that this is a series and not a limited run um, makes you kind of wonder: Is there going to be more coming? Are, are we going to have Captain America and the Winter Soldier? Um, next but they already said that they're doing captain america 4 so it seems a little strange that they they would kind of do the two of them um but we we, we shall see uh we shall see but uh, let me pose to you guys also the character of sharon carter you know it was it was great to have her her back in it um but what do you think they did with her and you know is she who everyone now says she thinks you know it, it kind of came out that is she actually the power broker or is she also another pawn? You know, if you watch closely when Batrock calls her the power broker, she never positively acknowledges that to be true. She mm-hmm. just sort of lets that sit there. No. I think she's um, in typical Sharon Carter fashion. I think she's playing a little bit of a dual role. I think there's a little double agent still left in Shara Carter, whether she mm-hmm. is the power broker working for the power broker. Plus you have the whole, the uh, the whole iPhone can't be a villain thing. If you watch at the end as she's making the phone call to whomever she's calling, she's using an Android phone. And if that supposedly um, is in alignment with the no villain can use an iPhone thing, maybe she is part villain. But I think there's also um, I think there's a little double agent there. So, Lou, you're saying basically since I have an iPhone, I'm I'm safe. 
You're a good guy. You've got to be a good guy. Right. I guess I'm an android, so I guess I'm a villain. Just because you're a bad guy doesn't make you a bad I'm guy. A bad guy. You know, to... Doesn't make you a bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> great, great quote from, uh, from Rick and Ralph. Uh, yeah, you know what? I, I thought her character wasn't... I think her you know, it, honestly, it was one of the more characters I was excited to see in this series because we didn't get a lot of her only you know she made a really her appearance in uh in, in Captain America Winter Soldier and then we got to see a little bit of her again in in Civil War so uh, to me I was very excited to see more of her character develop and I feel like we only really got one or two moments with her only when she appeared in episode three and then once again later on until episode six so I don't know if there was enough information presented for me for her to kind of have this dual to kind of have this dual role all of a sudden like i feel like there was again one could have been more of what happened was covid that we lost more in terms of fleshing out more of these characters but i just kind of felt like she was she was kind of just in there for just a very brief short period of time uh to to do what she needed to do I mean, granted, she had the fantastic action sequence, which was was which was amazing in episode three. But in terms of fleshing out more of her character, I, I just think there was a little bit left on the table. Again, I think the editing of the show was good enough, but I really do feel like there was a left on the table. And like like Lou said, I don't think she really addressed herself as being the power broker. I think that still is more left to be deterred. A lot of people are kind of leaning because now that ironically that uh, Shang-Chi and the, and, the, and the trailer dropped on Monday out of kind of out of nowhere because none of us were, were expecting it around the same week that we're going into the season finale. Maybe it's just to build more anticipation. But a lot of people and fan theories are trying to connect that Parker could probably be the Mandarin moving forward. It's just a, a Marvel interesting theory. Who knows? Though, but I, like I think, I think Sharon Carter is keeping her cards to her table right now. We really don't know where really her main objectives are. I thought she could probably play a bigger role in uh, an armored, uh, armored wars, the Don Cheadle show that was announced for Disney Plus, because I could see that playing more into bigger factor than 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 invasion. But again, we're gonna see what 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 happens with Sharon Carter's character. But I'm glad that she's gonna be around more. I think they need more of her to be fleshed out. Yeah, because we we had her, you know, Winter Soldier. She showed up in Civil War and then disappeared. Uh, it's like, well, well, what happened to Sharon? What happened to Sharon? Well, we finally get an answer to that. We get some more of that character back. Um, yeah, I I like the idea of the the you know this duality and the the secret agent type of deal. Um, you know, she she presents herself as one thing while she's doing something else. Um, to me, I, that actually makes a lot more sense than that she's actually that she is the power broker. She, yeah, she did not uh, admit to it. She just kind of went along with it, and like a good agent would, they they would go along with something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and she took out she took out the bad guys again. That that's kind of been her mo. It's like okay, here, the bad guys, I need to t- you know stop them. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, the the phone call at the end is it kind of makes you wonder. But if she's still playing that part, you know, kind of think of Black Widow. You know, yeah. you know some of the stuff that she had to go along and do, and you know, stuff that she's talked about. It, it's it's that same kind of thing. You, you if 
there's another mission going on if she's going after some other big bad guy yeah. and you know she's not done so not, you know we don't we didn't get enough of that character um you know shang chi another possibility he didn't drop completely out of uh for no reason that actually was uh simu lu's birthday yeah yeah, no, yeah, which I thought was fun. I think it was more of a fun situation, but it was 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 her because it's really tough too for a woman who said that was pretty much been abandoned for a pretty much a good like four or five years. It, it, it's really hard to, I don't know, to really figure how she. I mean, I get she's a double agent; she's incredibly smart, but it's really hard to see how she was able to build a criminal honor rug that quick within a short period of time there's a lot that's still on the table you know that that's still not making a lot of sense with sharing carter's character but you know she takes a couple of pages out of james bond's book you know right <laughs> get that in anyway <laughs> but for that fantastic action scene um uh carrie uh so so glenn uh the director said that that came out of necessity because you'd had all those characters in that tiny room. Like it, it, it doesn't work. You know, it's too crowded. It, it's a bad shot. So mm-hmm. they pulled Agent Carter out. It's like, well, what is she going to do? She's, you know, Sharon Carter's just standing out there. Where she, no, she's going to start kicking butt. You know, yeah. and got that's how we got that great action scene of her on the phone. Like, Guys, what are you doing? And she's throwing people left and right and um, disappearing and. Um, Again, just a brilliant scene that you'd love to see that character in because she does it so well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, how did you think Sam's character, uh, not Sam, Bucky's character ended up at the end? Um, with the, the, do you think he finally got all that closure that he really needed? Um, when he approached the the guy and told him about the son, um, how did you think that played out? You know, for for Bucky's character, um, you know, which is kind of again thinking about it, and it, it, we're so fixated on all, all these other characters, it, it really did in a weird way. It felt like Sam was a bit of an afterthought, and, and a little bit in some strange ways in terms of her his journey into his redemption arc and you know like again a man trying to find closure um you know it's uh you know for for bucky i think i, I think you know it, it's good for, i i think how they handle it for the best that they can i think it, this was just something he needed he needed closure i think in terms of the nightmares of his time of being the winter soldier i think it was more of his his redemption of like his, his issue was, am I a good person? Even everything that I've done, you in and and because it, it has to suck that you know you're you're kind of you're kind of somewhat you're you're in your own body but you don't have control over it. So you see everything that's happening and it's not like you had no control over any of it, but you bear the responsibility of everything that you did. And that's not fair because everybody used them as a weapon. Same situation with how they feel Isaiah Bradley. Um, yeah, I think it's just a, just his, I, I, his it was just a simple arc of just 
calming those demons. And, you know, like you said, you know, when Sam had that great talk with him, you got to do the work. You were out of engine. You were not in making amends. You know, you have to be of service to others. And, and, and how can you help them deal with their pain and their trauma? And again, that was the biggest moment. Um, I, I, in terms of how it was shot, uh, I, I actually want to ask ask you with that moment. Did you feel? Did you feel? What do you think that was adequate and how they handled that shot? Did you feel like they they should have maybe maybe stretched that out a little bit more, or do you think you were just kind of happy that Sam walked in, talked, and they did a quick pan of him walking out of the door? And then you get a couple shots later on. He goes back to that same uh, restaurant where he's just kind of sitting there with Aiden, and kind of like, kind of winks and just moves on. What, what did you think? Did you feel like that that was enough of a justification of a sh- of a moment and how they shot that? Uh, you know, just playing out there. Yeah, I didn't think that they needed to sort of lay it out. You know, yeah, to use a Waltism, like lay it out with a trial. We understand what happened in that moment, and you know, it, it, I think it's almost even better that you don't try and see and you have to imagine in your mind's eye just how difficult it was yeah. not just for not just for bucky but for you know the father as well having to to go through this moment and and this immediate betrayal by somebody that you thought was a friend yeah yeah there was a lot of weight on that and then the the um yeah i i think how they handled him talking to the father worked out well because you just the you could kind of picture it in your mind of the the conversation, and I think in your mind you're gonna picture the best way of it being written. Um, if they went ahead and tried to write that, you know, it may not have played out as well. Um, but I yeah I I think that scene worked out well. Um, I would like a slightly better reaction from the waitress, like her looking away, looking up and looking away from him quickly. I thought their eyes locked a little too long. I I, I don't know. I, I I was hoping a little more out of that piece. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I for me though the the end end of that scene, um, with the psychologist, sums up a lot more, mm-hmm. because she picks up she and he gives her the the diary the little book with the name scratch on which is the same book that he got from steve so again it's that kind of he's come to peace in terms with who he is now and that that book was a security blanket because where sam had the shield bucky had the book yeah well i think there was even more i mean overt symbolism there because if you look at the final scene it's just that that wall art of the the forest i mean it literally is just showing that bucky is out of the woods in terms of Uh uh, him not having to deal with it and if you pay really close attention to the music throughout falcon and winter soldier there was a number of times where i just the bucky scream that background music that has that sort of like scream of of, which is actually sampled from the sound of when bucky falls off the train Mm. after he after the scene with the Dormilaji in Wakanda, when he is literally freed and he bursts into tears, you don't hear that sound ever again. And yeah. I think that final scene really punctuates that. Yeah, look at you getting all lost on us. <laughs> and 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 to 
I'll even add another interesting thing to what Lou said too. Um, uh, so, because this is uh, from what I heard from, from uh, through fan theories, if you paid attention throughout the whole arc of Bucky back from when in Captain America, there was a I think there's an image where he has a big smile on his face. Since then, he really doesn't smile. Again, he's been the brooding, mentally tough person until all the way up until Sam taking on the shield and him finally getting over the demon of the Winter Soldier. And also that big moment where um, he was able to prove Zemo wrong, that I am not a killer, where he had the opportunity to take out Zemo. Almost basically validation his win. More And another big victory to him until the next victory when he's at Sam where he comes to make amends to 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 his friend that he wasn't that killer anymore i finally and he proved it by holding the bullets in the hand dropping his hand basically confirming that i'm not all super soldiers are evil in your mind zemo and i proved that to you and i gave you up to the to to the to the Malage and moved on her and now because of that you see that smile come back onto bucky's face that you haven't seen in the first captain america film all the way up to now so you the know that, the captain america film too yeah so you know that you know that Bucky is finally in in a good place right now to eventually, hopefully, shed the image of the of the Winter Soldier and hopefully, eventually, become uh, the White Wolf that uh, that was crowned from the uh, people of Wakanda that gave it to him. Plus, uh, Bucky is officially a black man because basically, you, once you lived in Wakanda and now you've been down to Louisiana and you've been accepted to a black cookout, you officially have become a black person in front of their eyes now. That's big. So, so Bucky's, Bucky's in with the brothers and sisters right now <laughs> in the world. He's earned this black card. They're up the whole his journey was earning his black card throughout this entire series and he's earned it. <laughs> Yeah, he uh, yeah, he did so. Uh, I, I like the little bit where they they're having the battle at Zemo's place, and the Milaj took his arm off, and they're like, yeah. "Did you know you could do that? I didn't know I could do that." Yeah, and you know what's a great a great scene about Bucky too? If you pay attention to his fighting scenes, you notice how and which which remember in the scene where he's he goes down into his boat. And then he loosens it. He loosens the ratchet with his normal hand, and then Sam goes, "Wait, why didn't you just use your metal arm?" Well, that's the weird thing. I'm, I'm naturally right-handed, which is weird. Like it's it, it, it's it's kind of funny that you think about that. Pete, go back and watch a lot of his fight scenes. Watch him. He doesn't use the metal arm that often in certain fight scenes. So, which he makes sense. If you're naturally shield, a right right person, you're just going to naturally use your right hand. So I thought that was a very, also a very interesting nod. Yeah, they explained that well. And when you think about it, yeah, he when you watch him, he uses the metal arm as uh, defense, as blocking. Yeah. And everything else is is done with his his regular his human hand. Uh, even yeah, going back to the initial uh, knife fight scene between uh, Steve and and Bucky and the Winter Soldier. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was all it's all his natural right arm. He doesn't really use that as, as weapons. Even especially even the fight with uh with John Walker too, and when he his arm busted and the way that he coddled that right arm a little bit, it really just was like really that is very interesting. Like he kind of coddled coddled it. Like it's only and like even though it's like a metal arm, like you really I would assume he doesn't really have any feeling in that. But the way that he was just kind of gripping that, I thought that was also very a very interesting uh very interesting take on that too. Yeah. Um, again, I I personally think they they went in with high expectations. I think they met most of them for me. Um, in the long run, I think this is we're talking about it in a different way. Wandavision again was just more about okay, what's the hidden message here? What's going on? Um, this one, I think. Maybe Sharon Carter's Betafiso. I'm not positive on that. Um, but I, I think we're going to be talking about this series in a, a different way. But again, this is how Marvel has approached. I mean, their comic books now in their movies, each movie is its own style. You know, you get some of the more fantastic, you get the mythical, you get the outer space, you get the the spy thrillers, you, you, you get all these different um, genres of films and their TV series are the same thing. You know, this is a completely different style of series than WandaVision is. And then obviously it's going to be a different series than what Loki is setting up to be. Um, and so Marvel's taking the formula that's worked in the theaters and bringing it and not really changing their methods because it's on a, a smaller format. You know, that they're embracing it and going, this is what we do. And we're going to bring it forward. And now we just have more time to play with the story. Um, and, and to me, Isaac, I know you're a DC guy, but I think Marvel just loves to go more into th these type of stories and, and fill these things out more than uh, the, you know, what we've been given from DC at this time and i think that's you know they're pushing each other right now you know we got the Zack snyder cut you know let's flush this out let's show show you what we can do with uh, a four-hour story mm -hmm. marvel going okay great here's my beer i'll show you six hours uh um i think offense to that no <laughs> <laughs> no no but uh no but it, it is like i said I, I i've been i continue to be really impressed with what marvel continues to do in terms of stories because again marvel has always been more grounded more earthly grounded than dc dc has been a little bit more in the fantasy world that's trying to kind of figure its 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 mojo um but marvel has always been very grounded in how they approach their stories in terms of of how and and, and it's not really surprising coming from marvel because they've been doing it for such you know a, a very long a very long time so um again i'm not i'm i'm completely not shocked of how they were able to handle the series um i honestly i thought honestly when again it was one of my more anticipated series out of every one of them because i thought we were going to get the same action mart we're gonna get i honestly expect this to be kind of like a superhero 48 hours pretty much two people that yeah. i expected more like comedy more jokes yeah more slapstick nonsense to cut to counteract with a lot of action moments big big action and instead they kind of i have to admit they kind of threw me left guard of really putting the emotional 
depth, the emotional, um, the, the social commentary that I was not expecting for a Disney Plus series. That's why I said kudos to Disney Plus to have in the stones to do what they did, to bring in that kind of real world stuff. Mind you, nobody predicted the, what the world we were going to be in uh, a year when that happened. So it's even more, it's actually even more astounding that how well this fit into the times that we're living in at this point. So I have to really applaud Marvel for that and how they handled it. Because they started filming this almost two years ago. Yeah. Yep. Like, they could never have predicted everything, kind of, the, the situations that, that were mentioned into this. And, I mean, Lou, I don't know what, what you think. The, the Even the way that the, the writing and the style, again, they, they, they showed blood. Um, the type of language that they were typing using, it, it was presented as a much more adult film. In the final scene of episode four, when Walker lifts that shield, and you see that rage on his face, and then you see it again with the blood dripping off. I know that I'm not the only dude that yelled at his screen. Like, what did I just see from Marvel? Yeah. It was even, not only did it, look, Falcon Winter Soldier has a very cinematic universe feel to it, but that scene, they really, I think, pushed the envelope in terms of uh, not just storytelling, but in terms of, impactful visuals that we don't normally see in the marvels you know i thought of the deadpool uh the, the deadpool too it's so dark is it the dc universe that's exactly <laughs> yeah. what it was yeah and and to kind of add to what lou's point i just think this is kind of the next step of what marvel wants to probably evolve into in terms of that because i think when you think about once the movies start to come back again i don't think you're going to get a lot of the i don't think like you said like even what you what you even said matt i think it just kind of allows them to take that same element of getting directors and and writers for their films we can take that as not only the same production quality into our television show but also maybe get a little bit hopefully more edgier writers or directors that can film the television series and bring in more real real grounded nuances uh to to kind of really help flash flush out these characters going back to wandavision wandavision was a trip ride but if you really paid attention it was wanda maximus moments of grief handling the loss of vision every episode was a, a, a semblance of her getting through the loss of vision until the final episodes of her almost not only coming to the acceptance of being the Scarlet Witch, but finally letting vision go. It was her 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 travel through her her her, her loss of vision. And you kind of see that once again, a more mature handling of uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier going through that mentals of showing the differences, systematic problems that we're facing. I, I love the fact that Marvel's is, is kind of allowing them to bring a lot more maturity that let's, although has been fun, you know, you get the fun popcorn feel really hasn't been there in Marvel for a while until this point. You don't have Tony Stark sitting in a donut eating donuts. No, we don't. Although we, we all do love donuts. Oh, yes. 
Um, yeah, it, this was the uh, the series actually got a 16 plus rating in the Netherlands, um, which is equivalent to a TV mature or R rating in the United States. So it, in other countries, you know, they they did have to kind of boost up the ratings on this. Um, but yeah, I I think this is they're allowing Marvel to push itself because to survive as a studio, they need to keep evolving. I mean, what they're doing now is they're doing well and they're doing good at it. But if you just keep producing the same cookie cutter thing, eventually, you know, people are just going to stop paying attention. So they they need to keep pushing that envelope, and I think they're doing it at a not only well but at a proper pacing. They're not trying to put, grow too quickly. They're not holding themselves back either. They're, they're they seem to again just Feige just you know in his giant office you know, has this master plan and it just seems to just be going right. I don't know if it's because he's from North Jersey, if it's because he is, you know, just this amazing geeky guy and he finally, you know, you know, gets a checkbook and says, ha look, all right, this is what we're doing. Or he's just brilliant, but it, it's the, the pace that Marvel does stuff too in their movies, in how they're producing their movies. Um, you know, Obviously, this past year with COVID, everything getting shut down, put a damper on how they're producing stuff. But they they're not letting that hold them back, and they're they're trying to make the best of it. And uh, kudos to them. Um. So uh, with that, uh, something Isaac came up with last time after Wandavision is our MVP character from the series. Um. So Isaac, who who is your MVP for for Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Well, okay, I'm going to give my MVP my most valuable. We couldn't come up with a better title yet, Lou, sorry. Yeah, yeah MVP, my most, I guess I your most valuable superhero, or MVS, my most valuable. I think my MVC, most. MVC, most valuable character, because it doesn't have character. to be a superhero. Yeah, you're right, most valuable character. Uh, wow, I mean, throughout this whole series, uh, it's it's tough, uh, but I, I, guess, I guess it goes to Sam. I think it has to, in my eyes, it goes to Sam Wilson. I just think his journey and be of, of taking on that mantle, the 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 journey of listening to points of view um, from different people of what that shield means to each other, and 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 what the decision that he had to make in order to fully accept that he's Captain America. I think. Is 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 just it, it, it uh, uh, as a, a person of color as an African American, it was just such a great feeling to see that happen, and it just it, 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 it I got very emotional to see that Marvel was going that direction. They could have easily gone Bucky, and I would have been okay with it, but the fact that they picked Sam to take on that and to be able to take on the story to did to, to kind of work that journey to me felt it, it felt very you know very accepted and very rejuvenated that they have confidence and anthony mackie is just such a fantastic actor that just continues to amaze me in anything that he he's in he's working up himself to being one of those great actors in in, in america cinema absolutely i can't imagine what it was like for you to see that scene when he finally shows up 
with the shield in the suit. Um, and you finally get to see him as, you know, with the, you know, accepting himself as Captain America and introducing himself. I'm Captain America. Um, I, 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 I was excited for it. I'm, I'm sure you were just even, yeah, I, again, I, I can't imagine. And and they went they went comic accurate comic and, and with the suit that suit looked good that yeah. when he came in it's gonna be tough to keep all that white clean though it's gonna yeah, get dirty yeah. so yeah. fast I know I know honestly I was thinking the same way I was like I was like when he came in I was like oh that oh they went comic accurate it's like but that yeah. white suit I'm like oh man that's a lot of white on that suit <laughs> how you gonna keep that. I, think, I was like, ooh, that's a little too white. I mean, they went really Clark's bleach on that thing, man. Holy wow. But I was like, wow, they went comic factory. It's like, okay. I, I, when it got more, I saw it in action. It looked, looked good. And I liked how they really battle tested that suit, too, man. That's Wakanda tech. Well, yeah. <laughs> that is durable Wakanda tech, man. They really went hard on that suit, man. I was like, okay. Uh, I'm, I'm loving I'm getting used to the suit, man. Loving it. My my only knock on the suit was I think that the part that came up on the side of his head must have been a little stiff because you notice that he never really turns his head much. Yeah. It's always the eyes are moving. It's like he goes to turn his head. It's like, I, I can only go this far. Move the camera for me, please. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah the this, this suit was brilliant. Uh, Lou, who, who would you say would be your most valuable character uh, of the series? All right, so I'm going to apologize in advance because I'm going to break the rules and because I, I – I have two, right? And I and I'm not going to give one as an honorable mention, but I'm I'm going to give two. Little, and, I know you well enough. Yeah, so I, show, I, I this is fine. But I'll make it I'll make it fast. So make it I, I would I, I think we would be remiss if we did not give credit where it's due to Isaiah Bradley, uh, not just as a character, but Carl Lumley doing a a such an emotional performance by Lumley. Uh, I I you know. I only wish we had more. Like I wanted to see more. I wanted to hear more. And I think the 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 character is important. The story is important. The message is important. Not because of the you know what the super soldier program, but you know understanding more about the the Tuskegee syphilis studies and and what really happens in in our reality and in our history. So huge, huge. First and foremost, um, Carl Lumley as Isaiah Bradley. But look, my bromance continues for for Sebastian Stan as the Winter Soldier, the White Wolf. Call him what you want. I I love, I like him. I like those little moments of humor that might just come in two words or a glance. I, I like his story arc, the emotional range that he's been able to demonstrate, and that the fact that that I think the next chapter in his story is just beginning. So uh, more Winter Soldier. More Winter Soldier. Yeah, um, so yeah, Sebastian Stan, I, I enjoyed him from Once Upon a Time. So whenever I heard that he was coming into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I was I was excited to watch him. And and like you say, you know, you see him in, you know, First Avenger and how he portrayed that character to when he shows up in um, Winter Soldier, and it's it's he's the same character but so portrayed so differently, and it's just this energy that comes off him. He does so well. And he, he said, you know, sign me up for the next one. I, I, I'm ready to go. Uh, so yeah, I, I completely get that. And yeah, he does a fantastic job. Um, and a new hairstyle too. 
<laughs> he's a handsome fellow, by the way. I mean, just saying. No, he's a good looking cat. Yeah. He's a good cat. For someone 109 years old, I think he was saying, like 106. Right. <laughs> he, he looks good for his age. He looks really good. It must be all that water he's drinking. Um, I, I'm going to have to, uh, this is so hard in this one because there, there's so many good characters. Um, but I, I will, ha- I'm going to go with Zemo. Um, just because he, again, the way that you see him manipulate everything, he, he is, he's not one step. He's not five steps. He's like a hundred steps ahead of everybody in what's going on. And, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, the, the whole reason that he escaped again was something that he planned out. Back in Civil War, somehow. I mean, not that the writers say it that way, but I wouldn't. I could imagine that you know he's always that he's planning that far ahead of things and controlling things so everything happens in such a way. Uh, you know, he he was he was ahead of the game for almost the entire thing, and you know, just like the lines of they broke him out of jail. They walked to the airport. Wait, you have an airplane? Yeah, I'm rich. You didn't know that. <laughs> So you know his his interjection of comedy, but he he doesn't have superpowers. He just pays attention to what's going on, and is able to manipulate things to the way that he you know to his benefit. And you said before you could almost understand where he's coming from. And to me, I think that's like a a key part of some of the best villains, is that not that you agree with them. But if you can understand their point of view, then you know that's a well-written character. Like Thanos, at, you know, in Infinity War, when he's explaining that, you know, well, I'm doing this for the better good because, you know, to try and eliminate famine, trying to eliminate overpopulation, trying to eliminate stuff. And you, you, for the briefest of moment, you go, oh, I understand. The, the I understand his point of view. So if you can understand the bad guy's point of view. Yeah, I I think again that that's that's some good writing in a a good uh, flushed out character. So um, yeah, and you know there's a fight going on in his house, and he just sits back and and watches what's going on. I suspect you know you know he has a drink and finds the right moment. All right, no one's paying attention. I'm slipping out. So I and then again to end kind of the scene at the memorial. Um, and he just okay, you know, I've done my part now. All my pieces are uh, set to go. I'm gonna sit back and you know take the next uh, next path and let them capture capture me. They do their thing. Yet I know I'm gonna win at the end. So yeah, that um, yeah, I, I, I'm gonna go with Samo. On that one, though Isaiah is like Lou pointed out, was such so done, and the actor, oh, yeah, I enjoyed his work back from Alias. Mm-hmm. Can't say I watched Mantis much, but I enjoyed Alias. <laughs> wow, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that was wrong. All right, I, um, Isaac, any final thoughts? My cap is black, my Lambo's blue, and I shall be dim, my rims ain't too. How about that? 
Well, on that note, <laughs> <laughs> Lou, how about you? Bring on Loki. Uh, that one, that's one of the one my wife is most excited about. <laughs> but uh, I, 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 I'm looking forward to that. I think this is going to be a, a fun ride. I think that one's going to be definitely a fun ride. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, these six episodes go by fast. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm upset when it ends, but I, I don't feel like I'm not disappointed either. Uh, it just leaves me wanting more. And, and as they say, you know, always leave your audience wanting more. And, and they did that. So I, you know, bring on the next one. I just keep them coming, take my money, keep them coming. Um, you know, I'm, I'm on, I'm on board a hundred percent. Um, Nope. Thank you so much for coming on, joining the conversation. Please tell tell everyone where they could find you uh, out on the socials, your show, everything. I'll make it super easy. Um, the podcast is WDW Radio. You can find it on any podcast app. Uh, you can find everything I do on the Disney side at WDWRadio.com. And I am at Lou Mangello on all social. And Isaac, you're always here. Thank you so much. Uh, guys, also thank you for joining me. This is the the third anniversary show, so we've been I've been doing this for three years. Isaac, you've been doing it now for what two years with me. Um, so thank you guys so much for joining in on on this uh, this uh, milestone episode. Um, so I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you, Matt. No problem. I want to thank Isaac and Lou again for coming on the show. Again, happy third anniversary to us. Uh, what, a, what a fantastic way to celebrate. And what are your thoughts of Falcon and the Winter Soldier? I want to hear from you. We want to hear from you. Put it on the social. Find us on the social. And join in the conversation. Find our main Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash Disney Marvel's podcast. Our Facebook group is facebook.com slash group slash Disney Marvel's podcast. Our Instagram is Disney Marvel's podcast, TikTok, Disney Marvel's podcast, and on the Twitter at Disney Marvel's. You can also leave a voice message through the Anchor app or website or record it through your, uh, through your electronic device and email to us. Our email address is DisneyMarvels at gmail.com. If you have any suggestions or questions, also feel free to email us at that address. Don't forget to also check out the Disney Marvels blog at DisneyMarvels.blogspot.com. Link to all these are in the show notes. Now, I do want to mention that we have a something else special happening today. With the third anniversary, I would like to announce our addition of the YouTube channel to our family of social networks where you can find us. I'll be putting the show out there for people to, to listen to, just the audio version. And uh, we will start be going live Saturday nights. I haven't set the exact date yet, but look for us. I'd look on the socials. I'll be putting announcement out. Saturday nights, we'll be doing Disney Marvel's Live where you can come in, join the show, we'll be talking about different things, different topics, and uh, see uh, see where it goes from there. But I would look forward to seeing you live, in person, chatting with you about our favorite subject. 
I want to thank you all for your time. I know how little time we've all had and just how crazy life is. And the fact that you get to spend some of that time together, that I get to spend it with you, means so much to me. I, I, I really love it. I really appreciate it. And I, I can't thank you enough. Um, all I ask, please share out. Share out that you're listening. Put it on the socials, put it on Facebook, Twitter, whatever you use, Instagram, WhatsApp. Let people know. Put a link to your show. Check out this topic that they're uh, talking about, going on about. Or tell your friend. Tell your neighbors. Tell anyone that you know that isn't a Disney. Family members. Tell them to check out the Disney Marvel show. This way we can keep growing the family. Because the bigger the Disney family, the better. Walt believed in a big Disney family. So do I. Don't forget to subscribe to the show while you're at it. This way you always know when new episodes are posted. And while you're also at it, consider becoming a premium subscriber to help the show out. You can do this over at Anchor at anchor.fm slash disneymarvel slash support or find our Patreon page and get some free stuff that way too. You can also check out our merchandise shop for some fun Disney Marvel stuff. Links to all these are in the show notes as well. Because remember, this show is brought to you by listeners like you. Hey, whatever you're facing out there, whatever troubles, whatever darkness you feel is looming over you, don't give up on it. Don't give up on yourself. You are a special, wonderful person. I know things may seem difficult. I can understand that. But just believe, this too shall pass. You are worth it. You are worth the effort. You are worth something to somebody. You mean more to another person out there than you may ever know. Don't give up on yourself. Let the light that's inside of you shine. Let it shine bright. Let it shine for the world to see. Because your light one day might touch someone else. Again, in a manner that you may never understand or know. Don't give up. Be your own hero. Never give up. Never give in. I'd like to end this show with a quote from Walt Disney himself. Americans are responsive people, and the ideas, the knowledge, and the emotions that come through the television screen in our living rooms will most certainly shape the course of the future of ourselves and our children. Again, that's from Walt Disney. Thank you again for listening, everybody, and I'll see you next time.